Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Pause Points Podcast. This is episode two. We have done it, guys. We've we've made more than one of these things. Yes, like I've been looking forward to being able to say, we have now done two podcasts. I'm going to Disney World. <laughs> good night, everybody. That's it. <laughs> yep, that was that was a good podcast, everyone. Thanks. There, there we go. Stay tuned for episode three. No, uh, of course, Faith. I am joined by Faith, as always. And Hi. you already heard from Chad. We're going to start off with what I think we all talked about as a really good idea. Uh, and we actually got some feedback from you guys about having a what you playing, what you watching kind of recap of the week. I'll start with you, Faith. What are you what are you playing? What you watching? A big moment happened last week. It was the end of Downton Abbey. Uh-oh. And I must say, it was one of my favorite shows on television. I thought that they ended it in a really great place. I was a little worried that they were going to get everything wrapped up in time, but they did it. And I think they played a lot of fan service and I had no problem with that. Everything was wrapped up in a nice tiny little bow at the end. Um, there were some really good quips from Lady Grantham, as always. But yeah, I that enjoyed Lady it. Grantham. <laughs> I don't watch the show that in case crazy you crazy Lady Grantham. <laughs> I don't watch it either, but a lot of people have told me that they think that I would like Downton Abbey. Oh, you would definitely but, like it. Yeah, so I kind of like to go start that and get into it because I love Maggie Smith. She is one of my all-time favorites. She's the old lady from Harry Potter, right? Yeah. Yeah, yes. I love her. McGonagall. Yeah, there yes. you go. I think you would love it, too. It's an upstairs, downstairs. The acting is amazing. The writing is just so spot on. Jillian Fellows is the writer, the main writer. But he just has the most amazing phrasing in the whole show. Amazing phrasing. Amazing phrasing. (laughs) You heard it here. Hashtag will be a sign. Um, But he, he does just a great job of writing. And he's been in a few other kind of masterpiece things he was in monarch of the glen he was acting and he was acting that type of um genre but uh yeah he was a great writer i'm really hoping that his next endeavor he's supposed to do something in the the gilded age so the gilded age of america so he might do something kind of that same time frame but what does that mean for us uneducated folk yeah 1870s to Mm -hmm. about 19 teens I'd say would be we'd consider the Gilded Age, maybe 1880s, okay, and up. Yeah, it's cool. when they used to have these really large estates on Manhattan before it was built up the way it, it is right now. They had very large, beautiful, crazy mansions, kind of like Downton Abbey, that size. So Downton Abbey, similar. the American version, exactly. Cool, just with American accents. All right. So yeah, like, when like I Harry think, Potter. When I think Gilded Age, I think mansions in Newport, Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. And like the Biltmore Estate in Asheville, North Carolina. Exactly. Like, mm-hmm. You know Tryon the stuff. Palace. The stuff from that era. Yeah, the Rockefellers. I oh yeah, definitely that. the Rockefellers. Mm-hmm. The the age of the robber baron. Yeah. Gotcha. Exactly. And so and I like that because you know I only wish that I could have been one of them. Don't, Don't we you know? all? All right. You know, people always say money doesn't buy happiness, and I always say, give it to me, and I'll see. Just to wrap up, I really enjoyed Downton Abbey. I encourage everyone to watch it out there. Even if you're not into that time frame, just give it four episodes and you'll you'll know what I'm talking about four episodes in. It'll have you hooked. What is the time frame that it takes place in? It takes place, actually, I think one of the opening scenes is a newspaper that has the sinking of the Titanic. Oh, so okay. So it takes place in that time frame and then World War I. So, so the I Victorian think it's about a 10-year ten ten year frame there. 
The Victorian era, is that correct? I'm not sure oh, if that's no, no, Victorian. No. I'm that, would, to... that would be after that. All right, I was trying to sound smart. Sorry. Yeah, Don't worry. Victorian era ended in 1901, <laughs> and Edwardian was uh, 1901 to 1910. But I, I would think of this, I, I don't know if it has a name or not. I would call that the just sort of the pre-World War I era, I the guess. The Downton era, War. I think is what they refer to It will to now it be as. the Downton era. Yeah. Oh, I like that. The Downton era. <laughs> yeah. Maggie um, so Smith that's era. that's what I have been watching. I have some other things to talk about when we get to my pause point, the TV pause point, but that was kind of the highlight of the last couple of weeks. Cool. All right. That's great. I will go back and start watching that. You guys go for it. Yeah, it's like a pre-war soap opera. It's yeah, pretty awesome. Pretty much. So Chad, what what about you? What have you been watching? What have you what what video games have you been playing, Chad? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. In in terms of video games, <laughs> um um well, I've sat around and contemplated the fact that Still, when I was younger, I, I owned a Nintendo that had only one game cartridge. That's all I ever played. And then I made it to level three on Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> um, That's as far as you got. That is as far as I got. And That's boy, a tough I game. thought. It, and if you'll recall, I mean, getting through level two, I had to make it all the way through that under the sea world. So, that is I hard. mean, yeah, I, I thought I was kind of an expert with some of this stuff, but um, uh, haven't really done much in in terms of gaming lately um in terms of what i've been watching i really haven't done any movies the last couple of weeks i normally go through this kind of a lull following the oscars because i spend so much time watching uh academy award nominated movies that i kind of have to take a little bit of a break for a bit but i've i've been back on the tv circuit now watching some things on there and uh been watching better call saul the second episode of or i mean second season of that just started, so I've been watching Better Call Saul. I've been watching a couple other things on Netflix. I'm personally gearing up really happily for the next season of Archer to come out because that is one of my all-time favorites. Really? I've never watched oh, that. Archer is is just irreverent and awful and fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's it's everything that I normally love in terms of comedy. Well, I know you like The Simpsons. But oh, and I, I, yes. I, this is where we disagree a little bit, and I, I might be speaking blasphemy here, but my favorite animated series, I would say, is probably Futurama in that realm of animated series. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah, but I mean, that's just that's just me. I think it appeals to my nerdiness. It's kind of written for for geeks, and and you know, there's a lot of hidden jokes in there. Uh, I think it has the same. Sense of humor, since it's, you know, a Matt Groening joint. I think that's how you say his name. But it's just yeah. not been going on for 30 years. So it's not getting tired. It's My favorite done. animated show is Star Wars Clone Wars. Of course it is. Shocker. And I'm loving Star Wars Rebels right now. It's yes. pretty awesome. There was a TV was show of the Star Wars? Yeah. There are actually two series. So one took place, you know, during the time that we will not talk of. Um, <laughs> but it's called The Clone Wars. And... Some of your favorite characters from all of the episodes are in that one. And that, right now it's Star Wars Rebels. So this takes place before A New Hope. So before the original Star Wars episode for A New Hope. And it kind of talks about how the Rebels are kind of gearing up, fighting um, the Imperial Army. And it gets all into the lore. And it's fantastic. And there have been some really great episodes lately, especially the last one uh, with Ahsoka in the Jedi Temple. It's really weird, too, because at first, Disney did this purge where they went through Lucasfilm, both the TV department, 
the film department, and the gaming department. And they did this mass purge. And they took everything and they said, all right, listen, this stuff's canon, this stuff's not, these games are canceled, and a lot of people got really mad. And one of the things that I think they initially said was that the Clone Wars TV show was not going to be canon at first. And this is after they already canceled it. And this is one of the highest rated animated shows on television at the time, uh, especially with adults. And they they went ahead and canceled it. They gave them time to wrap it up and give it one last season. I think Netflix actually picks up the last season, right? Mm-hmm. They, it wasn't on... Yeah, and they didn't even finish everything they had done. There, You can still rent or find online just the previs yeah. of about Lost four episodes, episodes yeah. that, that describe a very important thing with the crystals. And the Death Star. And the Death Star. Yeah. But then they, I kind of, th- I think at some point in time, I don't really ever remember officially reading this, but at some point in time, they did an about face and said, all right, Clone Wars was beloved. I, I mean, they have mainly Clone Wars characters and voice actors in their Star Wars days at Hollywood Studios at, at the parks. So I think they realized that was probably a bad idea, and Rebels is is done by the exact same team as Clone Wars, and it has all, you know, a bunch of throwbacks to Clone Wars, and I think it was the right decision on their part. So I think they got a lot a lot bigger of an audience because of that and, and kind of redeemed themselves slightly. So Yeah, I'm surprised with all of the different things that they brought into it. And, and I was not as excited about this one because I thought that the animation for Clone Wars was so beautiful. And when I saw just snapshots of this one, it didn't look that great. But I've kind of grown used to this one, and I really like the lightsabers that they've created with this one. It's a thinner, um, kind of it has a pointed end. It mm-hmm. feels more like something you would fence with than a broadsword. And it's got the effects and stuff from the original Star Wars trilogy. Like when the ships yeah. explode, they're just like sparks and a puff of smoke. Mm-hmm. Like it, it kind of keeps with that aesthetic. Yeah, and so. it, it's very cohesive. Yeah. Does it have any of the the main characters from the Star Wars movies? Like yeah, Luke and Leia and Leia. Han Solo and yeah, Leia actually has come in for one episode. Um, it has Darth Vader, and he showed up in the last season, so it's not really a spoiler At that he's end. in it. Uh, and they brought back Ahsoka, who is a beloved character from the Clone Wars TV show. She kind of left in the middle there. We didn't know what happened to her. So when she showed up... I remember watching that with you. You lost your mind. I did. I was like, Ahsoka <laughs> is back. Yeah. Um, I lost my mind to some extent, too, because I love her. Yeah, She's my was, favorite part of the It was really Wars. cool to see her back. And it's really interesting when they age cartoon characters. Because, I mean, you love The Simpsons. They've been the same age forever. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah that, that's like part of the... The whole story with them is that they they really don't age and and there's very few things that happen in their world that you know create a, a permanent carryover into something else. Yeah, exactly. Whereas in the Clone Wars, they actually had one episode where they changed her age and they changed the whole look of her. She kind of has a headpiece and it was larger, so it grew with her size. And then now in the Star Wars Rebels, she's grown even more. So it's neat to see her evolution. And the voice actor even has gone on record saying she's actually had to change her voice for the more mature version of her character. So That's actually kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. This is why I think voice acting should be recognized more than it is. Yeah. 
There's some great voice actors out there, especially well, in video games. Yeah, it's actually recognized in the world of gaming, I think, more than anywhere else. There there are legitimate voice actors in gaming that that are rock stars in their own right when I think of you know, like people like Troy Baker and I can't remember her name, but the lady who did Elizabeth and mm-hmm. Bioshock Infinite and you know, Nathan Drake, the guy who plays Nathan Drake and in, in Uncharted. They're they're uh they're kind of rock stars in their own right. So but We'll get into Uncharted later. Yeah. So, Joe, what have you been watching or playing well, lately? Thanks for asking, Faith. <laughs> I've actually, what I've been watching is actually tied into kind of the gaming space. Uh, one of the things I, I recently watched was something called uh, Atari Game Over, which is a documentary about the collapse of Atari and how ET supposedly brought them to their knees and caused them to go bankrupt and. Chad, you might actually be interested in this because it is a pretty fascinating documentary. It is. I've heard about this. I'm going to take a guess that ET stands for something different than what it would stand for in my mind. What do you think it stands for? I think it stands for ET, the extraterrestrial. Yeah, it's the video game. It's the video game. ET. That came out in the 80s that Steven Spielberg went on public record and approved. They had this one guy who was like the hotshot at Atari back in the 80s pushed this game out in five weeks for Christmas, around the time E.T. came out. Steven Spielberg approved it, and it ended up being horrible. And completely, it's blamed, even though not rightfully so after watching this documentary, but it's blamed for bringing down the video game industry at the time, which was mainly run by Atari. Um, It's kind of a huge, and, and the biggest myth that they denied was that they had a mass dump of these ET cartridges out in the desert in Alamogordo, New Mexico. And no one's ever been able to prove that they had these dump trucks dump these games in there. But this documentary goes through the process that 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 went that happened around that time while they're cutting back to New Mexico in present day and actually digging up the landfill where they think they were buried. So it's uh it's actually really cool. It's really interesting. It's kind of a really unique look into the history of the video game industry. Um, mm-hmm. And it's actually really funny to watch as well. So, yeah, you... That does you might, actually sound kind of neat. You I might want to check that out. Um, I mean, there's history in it. So, that see, now you've drawn me into it. Yes. Because you, you took gaming and you put history to it. So now now I'm kind of there. But I, right, although so I feel very bad... plus history equals Chad's sweet spot. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yes, there we go. So <laughs> I'm just... I feel so bad, though, because... Like, I feel like New Mexico... Gets such a bad rap with so much stuff. I mean, first, yeah, we did the first atomic bomb test there, and now we've dumped a bunch of awful video game cartridges (laughs) there. Like, we've got to just stop dumping on New Mexico. Yeah. At least they have been the setting for for Breaking Bad and, and Better Call Saul. So I think that's good. You know, New Mexico needed something good because we've treated it poorly for a very long time now. Now if we can just very get true. something awesome for West Virginia, because I'm really sick of Bones going Ugh, to West Virginia and representing West us. Virginia as a whole bunch of rednecks. Yeah, <laughs> we we need a good show that takes place in West Virginia. That And I'm not trying to say we need to make West Virginia into something that it isn't, but we need a, a good show that represents us well um, and shows people that West Virginia is not what the stereotypes well, are. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, 
Um, oh, and as far as what I'm playing, I actually am going back and forth between two things right now. I, I'm actively playing the PS3 still and the PS4. Uh, right now on PS4, I'm playing Far Cry 4. It's, you know, I know everyone else is playing that other Far Cry right now, Far Cry Primal. I, I kind of want guns in my in my shooters and not, you know, clubs and bones that I'm smacking prehistoric people over the head with. So um, I prefer Far Cry 4. I'm playing that right now. I never got to play it. And it's, it's, it's addicting. It's kind of a slow burn because you start out at the very beginning with pretty much no skills and no weapons. And then you slowly but surely level yourself up to uh, a Chuck Norris type level. And then you really feel like you can kick some serious butt. And I'm, I'm like halfway there. So at first I wasn't sure, but last night I was playing and I was like, okay, I'm into this. All right. Um, and then I'm also bouncing back and forth between that and Mass Effect 2. The Mass Effect trilogy is something I never played on the last uh, console generation. So I have my legacy list. You'll hear me refer to my legacy list. I have stuff on PS3 that I'm still going back and playing. So, all right. I think, Are, weren't, were those the, the games that when we were... Uh, Talking with our our friend Doctor G a couple weeks ago that you guys were talking about of yeah of wanting to play yeah and and I've never played them and they're kind of heralded as the sci-fi epic uh, masterpieces of the video game universe and it's one of those that I don't necessarily have a lot of huge amounts of interest in one because it's like a time suck and it can take anywhere from like fifty to a hundred hours depending on how you invested you get into it uh, and that's just for one game there's three of them. Uh, but you know, I, I started with two cause it recaps one, but, um, I am, I am trying them cause I feel like they're kind of like Oscar movies. You know, you kind of have to watch them if you want to have any say in, you know, things. So, yeah, that seems fair. I, I mean, it, it must be pretty good. I was, I was talking to our friend on the phone last night and he was telling me that he was playing one of those and, and he laughed cause he said, yes, he said, I've. I'm actually playing it right now, and, and I've been playing it for a little while as I've been talking to you on the phone. Um, and <laughs> I, I assume that's because I am far, far less interesting, less interesting. <laughs> than what that game is. And so he, he did a wonderful job. Had he not told me that, I would never have guessed um, that he was doing that for a large portion of the time we were on the phone. He's a very good multitasker in that regard. Yeah, well, the, the people refer to that as pretty much video game gospel, so I figured I'd at least go back and give it a solid shot. So I'll let everyone know what I think when I get further into it. So, Okay, so we're going to go right into the movie's pause point now. So I just had a quick thing to say. We did a review and a spoiler cast of 10 Cloverfield Lane, and one of the things I kept mentioning was the sound and how much I like the score. And I was looking him up on IMDb, and I thought his his uh, repertoire was really interesting. Um, this guy has done the score for Da Vinci's Demons, The Walking Dead, Battlestar Galactica. And so I, I just really think I enjoy his sound from other things that he he's done. So when you go see Tan Cloverfield Lane, if you haven't seen it yet, please notice all of the music and the score elements in that, and then come back and check out our... Uh, review that's up on iTunes right now. Yeah, and it's funny when you went through that and mentioned that I, I I joked around that you and Chad are very analytical when you go to see a movie. You pay attention to cinematography and and the score and all that stuff. I noticed that stuff, but I think what I didn't express in the in the review was that I get I don't get analytical, but I get sucked into that world. And I said that part, but. I try to pick apart the story more than the technical aspect of the movie. Yeah, so. but you're the first person that can name off whatever. I know it's weird. 
whoever does the score yeah like crazy i don't know their names but you can rattle them off. i know scores i know people who do directing and producing i i can name off people like that like a lot of people who are into football and sports can name off players and coaches and stats and that's that's kind of my thing it's it's a weird talent but i have it yeah so um it's okay we've all got our things yeah, so- we've all got our chad you can do that to some extent too so yeah yeah we've all got random stuff like that that we can sort of connect with and and I think that's okay. It's what makes us odd humans. And that's why we're doing this podcast. Yeah. So, exactly. Um, last time we talked a little bit about the Oscars. We had an Oscar cast. And something I'm really excited about this year more than any other year um, are the MTV Movie Awards. Because it seems really? to be exactly yeah. right up my alley. It's like every movie I watched last year. Jurassic World, um, Force Awakens. They actually have the... The enjoyable right, movies. The enjoyable movies in the <laughs> categories that I'm interested in. So that's going to be April 10th. Um, so I'm kind of excited to see what happens there. And they do have a category for um, motion capture performance. So I think, or animated performance, kind of in the same one. But they've nominated some great people. And you're in a that. big proponent of that, especially in the realm I of am. Andy Circus. I definitely am. I think Andy Circus has broken all kinds of barriers in that world. But but to to face point though about the MTV Movie Awards, I feel like they're very in line with how me and Faith tend to skew as far as movies go. They, pretty much, if if critics pan a movie or they hate a movie or they say it's terrible, then chances are we'll probably like it, and the rest of the country will like it yeah. because it's the ones that that do the best at the box office and that. Clearly, everyone loves, but will never get an Oscar. Or yeah, an award I would love to see the Oscars telecast with the MTV nominees. I think yeah. that would be the perfect blend because <laughs> I love the pomp and circumstance of the Oscars. I, I think that's fantastic. I don't like to watch the MTV Movie Awards; it's just not my thing. I feel like they already know if they're going to win or not when yeah. you're watching that. Um, so, if they could just merge those together, that would be fantastic. It's like People's Choice Awards. It's, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, just some I, I other don't, thing. I don't quite know how to react to that. Of you want the MTV <laughs> Movie Award movies to be the ones nominated at the Academy <laughs> Award. I, there's a lot of emotion that that are running through me right now, and I, I think perhaps maybe we should move on because I I don't want to say something that. That I will regret and, and think, that could, you know, have some permanent damage to our relationship here. I think there's a happy medium. I think the Oscars <laughs> skews so far towards depressing movies and the MTV Awards skews so far in the other direction. I think that there is a happy medium where everyone can get along. I feel like the, the happy medium somehow involves the two award ceremonies have some having some sort of like West Side Story battle <laughs> out on the street. That would be interesting TV. That would be great. Like yeah, it that. would be very interesting. Um, just the last thing on the television, or sorry, the movie's pause point. I saw a giving. trailer for a hologram for the king. What? And this actually looks like a pretty interesting movie. It's a Tom Hanks movie, and it's not World War II or any type of war movie. It, it kind of harkens back to the era where he did romantic comedies. Uh, it's set in Saudi Arabia, and he goes over there as a consultant or some of some sort, and he kind of has a life-changing adventure there, and he meets a woman. So it kind of looks funny, and I think it might 
bring us back to the Tom Hanks that we all know and love. So it kind of caught my interest from the very beginning watching that trailer. So I encourage you all to watch that one. Also, Florence Foster Jenkins. It's the newest Meryl Streep, and it looks like it could be one of those movies for it's her. It's the newest Meryl Streep? It's the newest Meryl Streep movie. Oh, okay. You left out movie. Yeah. I didn't. She changed her she was name being replaced. to Florence Foster Jenkins <laughs> <laughs> and got a British accent. Uh, I, was, I was just about to say there has to be an accent involved with this if it if it's Meryl Streep. Yeah, it's this lady. I guess she wants to be a performer, and she's older in life. It's got Hugh Grant. It's got I don't know who the actor's name, but Howard from The Big Bang Theory. Oh, I think I have seen that trailer. And it it looks kind of funny and an enjoyable movie to go see. Mm-hmm. You heard it here, yes. Lawrence Foster Jenkins. <laughs> we broke the news. So is that all you have, Faith, for movies? Yeah, I think that's it for movies. Well, I have some points. Can I I know you said that's yeah. that's it on your end, but I know that last podcast we discussed how Warner Brothers was very there was reports that they were very iffy about how Batman versus Superman's gonna do. Well, it's coming out the twenty fifth, uh, and we're going to probably go see it actually the night before and try to get our review up, hopefully even that night. Uh, so that you guys can get our get our spoiler-free take on that, and then we'll, of course, follow it up with a spoiler cast right behind it like we did with uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane, so stay tuned for that. They're, apparently, they were concerned about it. There's reports they were concerned about it, but now reports are saying that it's set to open to $140 million in its opening weekend, which is not too shabby. They're already going to move forward with... Uh, Justice League is starting to shoot on April 11th, and even even the director, Zack Snyder, tweeted a picture with, um, what's the guy from Game of Thrones? What's his name? He Jason was in a, Momoa. Jason Momoa, there you go. He was in a picture with Zack Snyder, and like everyone's costume was in the background. Uh, Flashes, Batmans, Supermans, Aquamans, they were all there, and I, I think it was just kind of a tease for everyone to I haven't to see seen that. that. Like, it was clearly like kind of ninja marketing like hey look this movie's getting made all the costumes are in the background they were they were off in the distance but they were they were there so it's i don't know if it's just showing a good face to the stockholders that if this is all coming out because of that of those reports but i i think i'll be interested to watch this movie and see how it goes i just it has had such a hard time um in the marketing world and i hope i hope it does well i really do i'm interested to see ben affleck's batman yeah me too. Why why do they keep making all of these movies about superheroes like fighting each other? I mean, because it just makes Batman money. versus Superman and Captain America, Iron Man thing. Like why why can't we all just get along? I'm very confused. Yeah, that's a good point. Like and I didn't even really think of that until recently that that Civil War and Batman versus Superman have a very similar theme and they're coming out around the same time. Yeah. Are superhero, superhero, superhero movies getting into the realm of uh, like how disaster movies used to come out in twos, like Deep Impact and Armageddon, and mm-hmm. you know the two volcano movies and two Day After Tomorrows? And it's a good question. Let us know. Give us, you know, shoot us, shoot us a, a message over in the comments on Facebook, and uh, you know, shoot us a message over at questions at pausepointspodcast.com. Let us know if you think. It's going in that direction. That's that's kind of an interesting theory. I didn't think about that. So yeah, I would kind of like to hear from our listeners to see you know what their thoughts are on some of this, because it. I mean, it's not the world that I you know normally delve into all that much, but it does seem kind of interesting to me that that these plot points are are sort of similar like that. Yeah, 
Yeah, maybe it's just that they're running out of big bad guys to bring into the franchise. I mean, some of them, they've been done. The Joker's been done. Um, Lex Luthor has been done before. Maybe it's just a, a new spin on these superheroes. Well, See what not, happens when they fight each other. They're not running out of bad guys, but maybe believable ones that are marketable is probably... Yeah, I mean, when you see Lex Luthor, he's a guy. He's just a regular guy, and he is the big nemesis of Superman. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's more interesting to see them fight someone more on their own level. Yeah. See, if Superman would just go fly backwards around the world again and and get it spinning the other way, he could go back and just fight them all over again. We're not talking about that anymore. The the Justice League movie, one last thing about that. Apparently, uh, the producer came out and said that Green Lantern's not going to be in the movie. And that's not too much of a shocker, considering uh, the Ryan Reynolds movie was kind of looked at as one of the worst. That was supposed to kick off their DC movie universe, and it ended up halting it for a while until the new Man of Steel came out. But um, they they said he might not actually even be in either one of the Justice League movies, and he might not show up until his own movie. Yeah, I think a little more time needs to pass to let that character rest a little bit. Well, I hope they bring in the African-American Green Lantern. I can't remember his name. Um, I, I love his character. He was in the animated series, and I think he's just a better, more interesting Green Lantern than than Hal Jordan that Ryan Reynolds played. So, did you see Ch- Chad or Faith? Did you guys see the uh, Ghostbusters trailer that came out this week? No, no, I didn't. Okay. It was pretty mediocre. Yeah, I it just did not capture me at all. I mean, there were some funny moments. I think the cast is pretty cool, but. It's, it, it just doesn't interest me at all. I, I haven't watched the new one. Apparently, there's an international trailer with more footage, but I, it kind of came out to a little bit of a whimper. I, I know I've even heard true Ghostbusters fans, which not a lot of those exist, say that it, it didn't really impress them too much. But with, that's that's sad, though, because it's it's the director behind Spy, and he did a good job. Like He's he's a funny director. He does good good work, but... Yeah, but I just I don't think that those two genres are the same genre at all. But I think that Spy was a little slapstick comedy. I don't know. The Ghostbusters, to me, my favorite Ghostbusters was the animated TV show. But the, it's, I mean, it was a comedy. If you go to a, um, I was going to say, if you go to a video store, it'll be in the county section. <laughs> Who goes to a video store anymore? They don't yeah, even but it, I, it was a comedy, but I, I kind of agree with Faith. It was sort of a, a different kind of comedy. And I was a big Ghostbusters fan. You were. When we were kids, I thought that the those movies were just great. And loved that. I had the the toys and all the stuff. I thought Ghostbusters was wonderful. Um, so I'll have to go take a look at this at this trailer now, because um, I was really hoping that the the new Ghostbusters movie would be excellent. I was looking forward to that. So I have to go take a look and see. Yeah, take a look and let us know what you think, and maybe we'll talk about it next time on the podcast a little bit more deep dive. Yeah, and while you're looking at the Ghostbusters trailer, Chad, did you ever see John Wick? John Wick with Keanu Reeves? No, no, I did not. Okay, this. Do you like action movies? Yeah, yeah, okay. action movies are pretty good. Okay, so you need to watch this movie. You need to put this on your list. I've put Network on my list, and I'm going to watch it since you wouldn't stop talking about it. The you know the okay. last time you talked to us about this, so put John Wick on your list. Okay, that's an outstanding action movie. It's probably one of the best of recent memory, although it has a severely depressing part at the beginning. Um, we won't talk about that. Uh, to, to save you from spoilers. But while you're checking out the Ghostbusters trailer, look up a YouTube video of Keanu Reeves prepping for John Wick 2. They've greenlit a sequel to this movie, and he looks like... He is crazy in this in this trailer. He looks like he could take out the world. He is certified. 
he's he's got like several different weapons. He's on a shooting range, and he just tears it up. It's crazy watching him do this, but because he does a good job in John Wick, but I didn't realize it's it's I it clearly all him. It's not a stuntman. Yeah, I am. Stuntman? I'm really impressed with where stuntman. Keanu Reeves has gone. I mean, yeah. he he had an interesting start, kind of Bill and Ted. Bill and Whoa. Ted's excellent. But, Whoa, dude. Um, but the Matrix, you know, is a turning point for him. But John Wick is such a fantastic movie. Great fight scenes. He just does an excellent job in the acting department. I really enjoyed that movie a lot. So I'm ex- I'm definitely excited for the sequel. I'm really glad they're doing another one. I hope they don't have the sad moment in the second one. We can just move past that. Yeah, you you'll know what you, we're talking about. Our audience probably knows what we're talking about if they've seen the movie, but. Yeah, it's but a great movie. Fair. So check it out. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely add this to the list. Then I'll I'll go watch that. And and I agree with you, Faith. I think that the Keanu Reeves has come fairly far. He he's still not definitely what I would think of as a top in the acting world in many no. respects. But he's done he's done some good things. And oddly enough, you know you know the kind of things that I like, and I don't generally get into a lot of the the fantasy and and weird kind of stuff and things like that. But one of the movies that I truly liked him in was uh, The Lake House a few years ago with Sandra Bullock. Holy It crap. was not a film that did all that well. No. But for some reason, I, I loved that movie, and I went and saw it with a, a very good friend of mine. We were the only two people in the theater, and uh, we both really liked it. We thought it was fun, and we've kind of joked about it since then that we were the only two people there that watched <laughs> it. and. We may have been amongst the only two people that watched it nationwide, yeah, you know, I actually, uh, but it really, it, I thought it was good. Yeah, I own the lake house. You are among friends here. <laughs> I really enjoyed that movie. It got pretty bad reviews It was horrible, overall. Yeah. It did oh, not, yes. It did not Critics do well. Critics just hated it. But I thought it was a fun movie. I liked Sandra Bullock. I liked Keanu Reeves. I thought it was an interesting dynamic. I think that the, the director kind of got confused as well because sometimes you would see her say 2003 but her lips were saying 2005. So I think they got a little lost in the timeline sometimes. Well, time travel is confusing. Time ta- Don't even get me started yeah. on time travel. <laughs> there it was time travel in that movie, right? my brain. Yeah. And it but, was not, it was not, you know, straightforward, you know, easy to understand back to the future type time travel. No. It, it was complex. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it was one of those movies, you know, I, I, I do analyze and critique things as we go. And I started off being sort of confused and, thinking, nah, this isn't really great. But then what I finally did was I just sort of had to let go and understand that I, I was never going to be able to wrap my mind around the the concept of the time travel in that movie and how it was working and anything associated with it. Once I let go and just started enjoying it as the the film that it was and took that all in as a whole, then I really kind of liked it. I just had to stop critiquing things that I thought were bad with that. And I I just let it go and enjoyed the film. And And once I did that, I really liked it. And sometimes I think that that's what critics need to do. They, they analyze everything in a movie and sometimes just, just watch it. Just Just shut your brain off. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I I don't think Keanu Reeves is going to win any Oscars anytime soon, but he has found himself a cool little niche in, in the movie industry. And I think he's thriving there. So good job, Keanu. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yes, good job, Keanu Reeves. If you ever get to hear this, or if anybody who hears this knows Keanu Reeves, and he'd like to be a guest on the show oh, yeah. to talk about his movie career, we 
would love to invite him to do so. Yeah, he listens. Please to contact this. us. Yeah, yeah, go go ahead and, and and link this podcast episode to his his Twitter and his Facebook and just completely bombard him and tell him he needs to come on the Pause Points podcast and that that'll get us some recognition. Yeah, that we, we would deserve. love to have him. <laughs> After our second episode, <laughs> after after our second episode, we get Keanu Reeves on episode three. This, that would be this awesome. would be great. <laughs> well, um, I want to hear your take on this, Faith. Yes, Joe St- <laughs> Stallone. That's Sylvester Stallone. Adrian. <laughs> yeah, he was he was recently in our discussion about Creed that we had on our Oscar cast. Mm-hmm. He is apparently rumored for Guardians of the Galaxy two. Okay. Do you think that's a, a good a good fit for him after coming in off what of role? Creed? I don't know. Just any role? Just any role. Benicio Del Toro was in the last one, so I say, yeah, go for it. I like Sylvester Sloan. I think he's pretty interesting. So. I'm just I'm hoping they don't give him like green body paint or, you know, what they did with what's her face. Yeah, I think that he would play more human. I think he would fit in more with that bounty hunter element. I think he might be cool in that yeah. that realm. Think he's gonna play uh, Chris Pratt's dad? No, maybe? aren't there rumors of Kurt Russell? Oh, he's in it too. So Kurt Russell and, and I'm Sylvester thinking, I'm seeing Kurt Russell in that more, but they could be buddies. Yeah. So, so. this this sounds like this can be turning into the uh, Marvel Universe's uh, version of the Fast and Furious franchise. Yeah, but who knows? I mean, Vin Diesel played Groot. You didn't even see him. Oh gosh, he yeah. said one word. Yeah. So maybe it's his friend. Well, three words. Maybe Sylvester Stallone will be like, I am Root. Root? Root and Groot's Groot. brother, Root. <laughs> well. If you didn't know, Chad, Groot is a, a tree-like figure. And all he says in the entire movie is, I am Groot. But he inflects it in different ways. That like he says, I am Groot. Or, in a loving way. Yeah. Or I am Groot in an angry way. So Groot and Root. Let's do it. Yep. So there's is this th- sort of is this sort of how like you know the Timmy character on South Park can only say the words Timmy and exactly. Jimmy yeah pretty exactly. much yeah and everybody else knows what he's saying so yeah, yeah. well maybe maybe Sylvester Stallone would be good at that I think it, he would be great at that it, like easy lines to remember <laughs> you know and I would really like to see him play a role that isn't Rocky because uh, that's generally all he's ever really done is either play Lester. Rocky or play characters that are very similar to Rocky. Yeah. I'd like to see him break out and do some other things. A musical uh, comedy? I yeah, well I I did see him in one comedy several oh it's been probably 20 some I think I saw some, the same one. 20 some years ago it was uh, Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Oh, okay. With oh, gosh, Estelle really? Getty? Yeah, I think I saw that one. I was thinking of Oscar have you ever seen Oscar? Oh, I'd forgotten about oh, Oscar. Yeah. Snaps Provolone. It's one yes. of my favorite movies. It's so interesting. I think yes, you might I like did. that. I'd totally forgotten about that one. Yeah. He, I mean, he still plays like a gangster, but a gangster from the 20s. And it, it's a really fun movie. If you're out there listening to this, Oscar, look it up. It's got Marissa Tomei, uh, Tim Curry, Sylvester Stallone great cast and it's one of those where everybody's paths cross and it weaves together that's one sylvester stallone movie that i always think i think that's one you had to grow up with i tried going back and watching that at one point in time it wasn't really like i don't think i grew up with it i just watched it on maybe a free preview of hbo one time really i just really enjoyed it Mm -hmm. and i'll i'll throw in that if if you haven't seen sylvester stallone and estelle getty in stop or my mom will shoot which would have been from the early 90s if you haven't seen that 
you need to continue not seeing that. <laughs> I heard okay. it was pretty horrible. Yeah, yeah it, it really was, it was not one of his best, and Estelle Getty was far better in her role in The Golden Girls. So you need to keep watching almost anything else besides <laughs> Other that. Other than that. Okay. Besides, yeah, you just need to, to keep Sylvester Stallone in a different light in your mind. Well, really, really quick on the... Um the casting front, I just wanted to point out some casting rumors really quick. Well, the first one's a rumor. Arnold Schwarzenegger might possibly return to the newest Predator movie that Shane West is directing. Sure, why not? Why not? I mean, why not? He, they're throwing him in everything that he was originally in back in the 80s and 90s. Shane West, Chad, I don't know if you know who he is. He did a lot of the Lethal Weapon movies, or I think one of them. He did Iron Man 3. He's doing a new movie that's coming out with Russell Crowe and... The other guy in that movie. He's doing he's doing a, an action kind of comedy with Russell Crowe. Oh, Ryan Gosling? Yeah, Ryan Gosling. It's based in the 60s. We I saw my first preview for it the other night at oh. Cloverfield Lane. It looks yes, actually kind Yes, funny. I saw the preview for that and it looks very good. The Nice yeah, Guys or something? Nice Guys, yeah. yeah nice Guys? Yeah, it, yeah. it looks funny. So, he's a he's a good director. I like that he's attached to Predator. Predator needs some fresh blood, no pun intended. Uh, breathed into that franchise, but you know Schwarzenegger, why not? I mean, they threw him in Terminator Genesis. It didn't really do any good for the movie or him, but um, but yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> J.K. Simmons is uh, been known in the past for playing J. Jonah Jameson in the Spider-Man movies with Tobey Maguire, mm-hmm. uh, but he will not be playing that anymore in the new Spider-Man movie because he was recently just cast as Commissioner Gordon in the uh, either the Justice League or the solo Batman movies that'll be coming out. Oh wow. He switched He'll over be good to in the that other role. side. Yeah, you know, he's going to be great in that role. Like it he's kind of funny for me because he plays such a funny character in the Spider-Man movies back in the day. He's still doing farmers insurance commercials and he's We are farmers. Farmers insurance did not sponsor this podcast. <laughs> But he's doing stuff like that still to this day and, you know, constantly being an Oscar talk. It's just kind of he has a funny, eclectic career going on right now. And now he's doing a comic book movie that I I love this casting. You know, he was played by Gary Oldman in the the Christian Bale, Christopher Nolan Batman movies, uh, which I know you actually saw one of those, Chad. So you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, I think I saw two of them. Yeah. So... He's he's a great character. Commissioner Gordon is is one of my favorite. He's also awesome in a lot of the the Arkham games uh, as well. So, uh, but I'd love to see him in that role. I'm excited to see him in that role. Yeah, he'll be great. I he's one of my favorite actors. Um, he's not often a leading actor in things, but he's one of my favorite supporting actors because I feel like you can drop him into almost any kind of a role, and he really he makes it his own. And he's you know he's got his sort of distinctive personality uh, that he brings to each role, but he seems to work it so well. The The first thing that I really remember seeing him in, where I really took notice of him, was Thank You for Smoking, and that would have come yeah, out. Yeah, I saw that was, too. Yeah, probably about 2006. Not a bad He movie. was fantastic in that film mm-hmm. and was so deadpan with his comedy that, I mean, he had me almost crying from laughter because I thought he was so funny in that. And since then, I've really tried to take notice of the stuff he's done. I agree. I love him. And he might perpetually be a supporting actor, but you know what? That's a groove, man. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, The last piece of casting news I think I'm really excited about. They are 
currently looking, it's rumored that they're currently looking at Daisy Ridley, who plays Rey in the new Star Wars movies, looking at possibly casting her as Laura Croft in the new Tomb Raider reboot that they're going to bring out that's based on the most recent Tomb Raider series of, of games, which I'm a humongous fan of, and I I love this casting. It, I think she totally looks the part. Even just without any makeup, she could just walk onto the set and play that role. She really could, and and she's clearly got the charisma and the action chops that she showed, in, mm-hmm. and she's even got the British accent already, yeah. naturally. She's good to go. Yeah, so. I just I hope it's not too much of the same type of role. So she doesn't get typecast? Yeah, yeah. but I mean... She she was fantastic. I watched her on just about every talk show during her circuit for Force Awakens, and she's just a really dynamic person. And I I'm really happy for her. I think I want her to see her in a lot more things coming up and show her range. But I think this will be a good start for her. I think she's perfect for it. Chad, do you are you familiar with the Tomb Raider series, like the 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 movies back in the '90s and early 2000s? Yeah, I, I never saw the movies, but I I know enough about them, and I I agree with you. I think she seems like she would be a wonderful person to cast in that role well tomb raider is one of the most popular video game series uh on like recognizing a video game next to like mario so angelina jolie played the 90s version of that character which is very you know over the top short shorts big boobs you know that kind of look of a you know an action female character back that was very popular back in the 90s Tomb Raider was rebooted recently, and it was just met with seriously high critical uh, acclaim, and it it took a very more grounded approach. She's a very more, uh, she's a world-weary, very kind of street-smart girl. She's very intelligent, doesn't really fall into any of those female action, you know, character tropes, and, and I think Daisy Ridley would fall perfectly right into her shoes, and I'm very excited for this casting. Even though it's right on the nose, I hope she, I hope she gets it, and I hope they do it because I'm excited for this movie. I'm excited for the next game, and and I think it's 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 great. So yeah, that sounds really cool. It, it seems like the Star Wars lady would be really good for that role. Well, it also it also stops the Star Wars curse that I think a lot of Star Wars movie actors have fallen into, where they act in Star Wars and they don't want you know they yeah don't poor act Harrison else. Ford man he never did anything well, I know the poor guy Mark that Hamill was... and Hayden Christensen they didn't Mark really Hamill had much. a great career as the Joker like 20 years on later on the animated series yeah, so but still well I have one piece of casting news and it's an, it's a rumor but Tom Hiddleston as James Bond oh yeah this is kind of exciting I I have enjoyed Tom Hiddleston as Loki but even off camera, everyone says how charismatic he is. And when he goes to interviews, it makes you feel like you're the only person he's talking to. I would love to see this James Bond come to fruition. What do you think, Joe? I don't see it. I don't know if it's because he's been Loki in the Thor movies. I see him more as a Bond villain than I do as a Bond. I don't, and, and it might just be, I hate to say it's just because of his look. I'm not saying he's not a very suave, cool British guy, but I... I, I almost think I'd prefer to see him as a Bond villain than a, a Bond himself. I don't know. Chad, I know you hated this movie. It was not your favorite. Um, but in War Horse, he actually played <laughs> oh, a... Oh, God. <laughs> just, he played a more charismatic, just straightforward character. He, he, he actually had blonde hair. It was kind of weird to oh, see yeah, him with weird. blonde hair. But seeing him in that role, I could see him as Bond. I could, I could see him as a... I mean, to the blonde point, like... It was weird seeing Javier Bardem with blonde hair. Yeah. 
but he he looked he it made for a great crazy villain in Skyfall. Mm-hmm. So you saw Skyfall, didn't you, Chad? Oh yeah, definitely. I loved Skyfall. Right. So I, I don't know. I it, I'm not saying I wouldn't go see the movie if he ended up being a Bond. I think he could be a big Bond, uh, a good Bond, a big Bond. <laughs> <laughs> I think he could be a good Bond, but I just don't know if it's the, the I th- right I choice. Just, I I think that. It's easy to typecast him as a villain just because of his yeah. role as Loki. I, I think he has one. more range than that. I See, I, I don't know that I could go along with any of this considering that he was in War Horse. <laughs> I mean, he was in one of the worst movies ever made. <laughs> and, I mean, that was one of those that anyone associated with it, anybody in the cast, I mean, from the time they read the script, they all should have said, I don't care how badly I need the money. I will go work any job I can find <laughs> to not be in something that is going to be this horrible. So, you know, maybe, again, this is a good opportunity. If he gives good interviews, perhaps he should come on the podcast and we could talk to him. <laughs> there you go. About his upcoming, you know, bonding and also talk to him about Hashtag what I assume was the worst experience of his life making the awful film War Horse. We got to remember to stop bringing up War Horse when Chad's. In the podcast. All right, no, I got I, one last thing. I don't know. I think we should keep bringing it up because I feel like it's part of my duty in life to try and educate people to never, ever see that film. <laughs> I think everyone it, gets the know, clue. Yeah, their life would be so much more enriched. Had they, in fact, I, I would go so far as to say, go rent Stop or My Mom Will Shoot before you watch <laughs> War Horse. Well, I've got, I've got one last thing for movies, unless you have anything, Chad. But this was very interesting, and I... Have you seen, has either one of you seen a preview for the Paramount animated movie coming out that was called The Little Prince? Yes, actually I have. Okay, so this this looked adorable. This looks like a really cute movie. Uh, It's set to open March 18th. Paramount Pictures straight up dropped it out of nowhere. Like a week before it comes out. It's no longer releasing. And nobody knows why. I thought this was really, really strange. Apparently, I guess it's getting chopped around for another distributor, but literally, as of IGN reported, as of March 11th, it, it's it's totally been dropped by Paramount. It's no longer coming out, and they they don't know if it will come out or if it's going straight to DVD and Blu-ray or or what. But I can you do you guys have any input why you think a movie would? It's a weird story. Is it a? I, I'm not familiar with the story of the. I mean, Prince. it's it's one of the most beloved French children's books of all time. I just remember seeing the movie. It had Fosse in it. It it was just a very strange movie. I have little recollection of this, but the parts that I do remember were kind of strange and terrifying for a kids' movie. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I just and, found it weird. Yeah, and Faith, remind me because it's been a long time since I I've seen like ninth grade that French original class. one. But wasn't it wasn't it also oddly like a a musical? Yeah, it, and it, it was, was it was one of those where those songs didn't fit well. No, what I saw from the the new animated one, it does look like it's a a pretty cool little animated film. I agree. Yeah, and what I read about it, it seemed like even the filmmakers were really caught on guard about why is it being dropped? Why is it happening? Sort of at the eleventh hour, really, because yeah. that does not often happen, or it does not often happen with any r- movie, really. So yeah, I thought it was really strange. I, I'd like to hear from the listeners and, and see if they've heard anything else. I mean, obviously, 
we don't have deep ties into the, the movie industry. We're, we're going off for reports that we read. So write in, let us know on, on, on Facebook and email if, if you heard anything else or some of your theories on, on what you think might be going on at questions at pausepointspodcast.com. All right, so we're going to move on to the television pause point. So a few things that have happened um, since we last talked to everyone. Uh, the premiere of the TV show of Kings and Prophets came out. And I was kind of excited about this. The trailers spots look pretty interesting. I was underwhelmed, to say the least. I don't think I knew what it had to do with until... Yeah, it's about um, King David in the Bible. First of all, I was surprised at how old David was when it's supposed to be a boy killing Goliath. And he hasn't even killed Goliath yet, and he's like 20-some years old. Um, they just added a lot of stuff in there that was just... He was like a teenager in the Bible, right? Yeah. It's basically scandal meets Game of Thrones oh, in gosh. biblical setting. So um, I watched one episode, and I think I'm good. Yeah. Um, I don't think I need to see any more after that. I think it's safe to say I'm, I'm rather terrified, along with probably the rest of the country, on how ABC is going to handle a biblical story. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't even that the story, it had that kind of grayscale look to it. Mm. It was a very grim um, cinematography. And also, I couldn't understand what most of the people were saying. And it wasn't their accents. It was just the, the sound was off in the show. I had to turn the subtitles on it at one point in time to understand what they were saying. So they weren't speaking like old English or anything. They were no. I mean, people, the people had an accent. Um, there were like some British accents, but it the sound quality just wasn't up to par. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I was just a little underwhelmed about it. But the the name is interesting. I think it could have gone awesome places. I don't think it'll last to next season. Um, but the idea of kings and prophets carries on all throughout the Bible. So you've got Noah and the Pharaoh, and you've got Daniel and the lion's den, and you you could do that you idea mean over Moses and-, and the Pharaoh, right? Not Noah and the Pharaoh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Noah and the Pharaoh. Yeah, Noah and the Ark, <laughs> Moses and the Pharaoh. But there there's a lot to pull from with that name of kings and prophets. Yeah. They could have reinvented it every single season, but I just don't see it going very far. Yeah. So. Um, Chad, but- Chad, did you see that show at all? No, I didn't see. It. I saw a couple of previews for it. It it just didn't look like one that was going to interest me all that much. Yeah. Although I do keep a list of people that I wouldn't mind dumping a red sea on if we ever go to that <laughs> kind of a route with something. But yeah, and um, another kind of milestone that I was really excited for last week was the hundredth episode of Grimm. And it was interesting. Oh, wow. I kind yeah. of forgot that Grimm and Once Upon a Time came out at the same time. So it was also the 100th episode of Once Upon a Time. Um, I'm, I'm behind on on that one. But Grimm has just consistently gotten more and more deep in its mythology. And they tie back to things that were barely mentioned in the first or second season. One of the only shows that I've ever seen do this. That yeah. just it has something big happen and then it doesn't talk about it for another year. Yeah, they they dropped the keys for like two years. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they played this huge, enormous role in in the show. And I've loved everything they're doing this season. I I was kind of skeptical at first. I thought for sure I was gonna like Once Upon a Time way more than Grimm. But just the the small cast, the small ensemble, they really work well together. The CG characters have gotten a lot better over the last five years. 
It's one of my favorite shows. I That's the first show I want to watch as soon as it records it is. on my DVR. And we were talking about this last week. I think Graham might be my favorite show on TV right now. And it's it's so weird to say that because it's it's barely marketed by NBC. Chad, have you ever seen an episode of Graham? No, no, I haven't actually. It's it's so shamelessly ridiculous, and but it's fun and it and it's played serious, and they just they they clearly have a blast with this this show. It's it's procedural, but not in a boring way like like Law and Order has gotten long in the tooth. It's 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 a show that comes on on Friday night, which is the night most TV shows die, and NBC hardly markets this thing unless you're watching the show before it on Friday night, yet it is renewed every season. It was thrown into syndication on TNT probably three seasons in. That doesn't happen for most shows until after their 100th episode in their fifth season. Uh, it's it clearly got a huge following, and, and I just I hope it keeps going. It's not... It you know we're we're big fans of, of the five-season, 13-episode uh, show, but... This one, I, I'm not bored with it at all. I, I hope it keeps going. No, and I think another reason I really like this one compared to Once Upon a Time is Grimm deals with the fairy tales, but they're done within that episode. So they had kind of a Cinderella episode, but you, you never hear from those characters again. Whereas Once Upon a Time, I feel like once they introduce you to one of these characters or one of these princesses, they have to have a whole storyline for that one character. So they had the whole Frozen season. Yeah. And... It's a it's, typical ABC. Yeah, it's just got too yeah, many moving I mean, parts where I I think Grimm is just easy to understand. You've got like five main characters. They throw a, a few supporting characters in there once in a while. But I just, I enjoy them all together. And it's funny. Yeah. It's it's got its serious moments, but it the writing is really good and the humor is there and it keeps you captivated. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, the last show I wanted to talk about kind of in detail, I have a couple of news items here. But Fuller House. So last time we talked to you all, Chad has seen everywhere there's a heart. (laughs) (laughs) So Chad had seen the first episode. We had not. I can't stop watching it. I don't know if it's out of morbid curiosity or what, or it's just the nostalgia. But I only have one episode to go, the finale. Me too. And it's it's just fun. And I know everyone out there, it's not the best writing. It's It's getting slammed. It's not the best acting. But it's already gotten renewed for a second season. Within the first weekend. Yeah. And you got to think about this because this 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 dives into our Netflix conversation that we've touched on that we've never actually had. But Netflix can make a decision whether or not to renew a show within the first weekend because their whole season is available. Yeah. So they can tell how many people are watching this. Yeah. That's something TV stations and, and NBC, ABC, they can't do. And they have the data right there after the first weekend to see how many people were actually watching it. And they know that the interest lasted for 13 episodes. They know whether or not people dropped off after five or two or one. Mm-hmm. And, and man, good for Fuller House because the, the writing, and, and Chad, I know you mentioned the writing was terrible. The acting was not that great. But guess what? It's Full House, and that's exactly how the original series was. And people are clearly loving it because it got renewed so fast. And I think the cast are just having an absolute blast playing these characters. Yeah, you again. can tell they're really happy to be in that world. It's a reunion. And um, so Candace Cameron Bure was on Dancing with the Stars last season. And in one of the episodes, they actually had... Spoilers. Yeah, not major <laughs> spoilers. Um, <laughs> they had uh, Max and Val from Dancing with the Stars came on and danced a little bit. And now Jodie Sweetin, who plays Stephanie is going to be on this season of Dancing with the Stars. So they've kind of had this little Dancing with the Stars string running through this the whole time, which I thought was kind of interesting. And Chad, I'm kind of curious on your take on this, but 
there's there's a funny little snippet that they they say in the first episode about you know something along the lines of man we all look good or something like that and they really do like Jody Sweden I think blows my mind that she was this little girl back in the day and now she's like taller than anyone else on this show and she's she looks good uh, Candace Cameron looks really good like even even Kimmy, even Kimmy even yeah Kimmy she looks, looks really good so yeah I will totally give them that I, they really do the, the cast looks wonderful. For a show that the writing is just awful and the acting is subpar, they do look like they're having fun. They look great. They've all aged well. I mean, even Jodie Sweeten, like you said, she she looks fantastic. And given her history of long-term substance abuse, yeah. that's just amazing. Yeah. And, um, I mean, she they all do. They, they look like they're just having a blast. John Stamos has aged very well he, like the I whole, said he sleeps in a cryo chamber yeah he doesn't age at all <laughs> uh, that would not surprise me in the least but uh, I mean and it, it is one of those things like the episodes that I've watched I've watched about three episodes none of them to me were particularly good even in the slightest yet I just can't stop watching right. it's like passing <laughs> exactly. a car wreck I, yeah. I, you, once I start into it I just can't turn it off so I, I can understand why people are watching it because it is fun. It's just it's chock full of nostalgia, which is really nice. Yeah. They're not going in for it as much for the story. And that's okay. Because sometimes you just need those shows out there where you don't have to think about it. You're not trying to get any kind of a deep message about it. It's not trying to change the world. Yep. It's just straight up entertainment. And that's okay to have that. Yep, and and I think I think you can just turn your brain off and enjoy it. But but the one the one issue I did have with it, I I was afraid it was going to take the Girl Meets World route of of being Disneyfied and trying to be like ridiculous. It has a very small snippets of that sometimes with the kid characters, but it steers clear of it for the most part. I feel like the writing on Girl Meets World is better overall when they they have a lesson of the week kind of mm-hmm. in that show. But the dialogue for the kids is so juvenile. It's like two-word sentences. They are totally pandering to a young audience in that show. And I I understand it, but I do enjoy Fuller House a little bit more, and the kids speak in complete sentences. It's kind of more goofy fun. There's not necessarily a moral at the end of the episode. Mm. But it is very interesting how two shows who are both on the TGIF block have gone two very different directions in their reboots. Well, I think it's where they're at too. I mean, that's 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 the majority of Disney Channel shows. If you watch any other Disney Channel show, it it's it's unintelligent. It's ridiculous language and scripting for these kids. I mean, they're so dumb. I I don't think I'd ever let my kids watch this because it it drops their IQ and I and it's sad to say, but Girl Meets World is probably one of the smarter more intellectual better shows on the disney channel i know listen i know we're adults here but i when i grew up i grew up with shows that actually made me still still think and try to understand it not everything had to be stupid and funny and in the age of you know youtube videos and stuff i think things are just getting dumber and dumber and i know we're sounding like old people right now but i I, it's sad though that girl meets world i think is one of the smarter shows yeah when i watch the show when i record it i watch everything off of dvr but when i record it i catch the very end of the show before it and it's almost painful yeah. for me to watch that one minute. That's terrible. I mean, sometimes I'm doing stuff, I don't fast forward through it immediately, but I'm watching this and I'm thinking, how can people regularly tune into this? Yeah. 
So. Or let their kids. And don't get me wrong, Boy Meets World had its moments of stupidity back in the yeah, day as well. Absolutely. But it was it was very, very different. And I think that's just a Disney Channel effect. Yeah. So. And I just think it is the time we're living on. Everything's a shorter attention span. We've got smartphones and tablets. You need something to catch your attention a lot more quickly. Yeah. And unfortunately that's how But it's sad to we say Fuller House is is the more intelligent of the two shows. Yeah. In scripting. <laughs> yeah. So. Never thought we'd hear ourselves say that. Yeah, <laughs> right. But, you know, maybe we should try and even this out with some stuff. Maybe we should have some sort of a regulation that for every Disney Channel show or something like that that a child watches, they should also be required to watch some sort of a rerun of Hill Street Blues or NYPD Blue or something like that. <laughs> it's something to help yeah. even things out in their mind and bring them to reality. <laughs> yeah, some of those good old shows like the Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> <laughs> Those are much more intelligent. I'm not on this. You, you if we talked about Bewitched or I Dream with yeah. that. Yeah. You were like, okay, yeah, let's have them watch something like Beverly Hillbillies. And I'm saying, no, let's have them watch hard-hitting police dramas. <laughs> <laughs> Just a couple of renewals we wanted to talk about. Wayward Pines got renewed out of nowhere. It weird. was this weird M. Night Shyamalan TV show. It was very strange. Loved it. It was great. Don't get me wrong. Loved it, it was strange, but it kind of just ended I assumed there would be no more of this show. No one talked about it. And then all of a sudden it got renewed out of nowhere. And much of the cast is already committed to other shows. But the way it ended, I think it's okay. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. But that's an interesting show. If you're interested, it's a very short season to catch up on um, to get ready for season two. It was one of those summer events, right? Like it was. was Yeah, it was kind of like under the dome, but way better. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's a shame too. That's a money grab because that show was perfectly fine the way it was, but they want to get more money since it got good ratings and they're they're stretching yes, the story out further than it needs to be. So mm-hmm. um something else that's coming out very soon is the second season of Daredevil. Mm. So I'm kind of excited about that. I like the first season, watch Jessica Jones. What do we have to look forward to in this season of Daredevil? You've got were you asking me or Chad? You were asking Chad, weren't well, you? Well, I was obviously asking Chad. But what are we expecting? And then second Chad, season what are we expecting in Daredevil? <laughs> oh, gee, I, I, you know, I, I've been doing so much, so much research into that. I almost don't know where to begin. But J- Joe, why don't you take this while I collect my thoughts a bit? Well, well sure, yeah, Chad. Thank you for doing that. Um, <laughs> we have we have got a couple of things going on here. And and first off, this is clearly. Much better than the horrible Ben Affleck movie. Uh, this I actually enjoyed this series better than Jessica Jones. It, it, I had a slow start to the season. There were a lot of subtitles in the first couple of episodes, and I was watching it late at night, <laughs> and I I just got so tired. I think I fell asleep at the end of the first three episodes. Yes, but I finally got into it once the action. It got really in. good, and it it was great. And Vincent D'Onofrio. Yes. Oh yeah. He was such a great villain. Yeah. I loved his performance and, and that whole persona that he came up with. And I, I enjoyed him in Criminal Intent. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he was a really interesting And it's character. really funny, too, because Marvel is is kind of criticized for their lack of smart villains. But man, did Netflix nail it with this series. He was a great villain. Both him and also Jessica Jones' villain as well. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, um, but we're going to, we're going to get a taste of, uh, of the Punisher who's going to be played by, uh, the guy who was, uh, Rick's best friend in the first couple of seasons of the walking dead. Uh, I, I can't remember his name, but, uh, he will be playing Punisher and then someone I have not seen before, 
will be playing uh, Electra. Electra will feed into this season as well. Uh, I can tell you it's not Jennifer Garner. <laughs> Are you surprised they're bringing Electra in? Uh, no, but I, I hope they. I, I think they're going to tie Electra into his backstory, kind of like they did with the blind guy in the first season. I hope they kind of expand on that, kind of like how they explained Batman's training before he became Batman. I think that'd be kind of a cool take on that. Okay. So I think she's tied into that that universe of his before he came back to Hell's Kitchen and became a lawyer and became Daredevil. I think it's a very similar path of of batman they're both very dark heroes and dark characters but it's funny because he's one of the darker heroes and he's going to be met by an even darker hero and i think they're going to clash until they ultimately it's come gonna together it's going to be kind of maybe what chad was saying civil war civil war batman v superman yeah. it's going to be some daredevil versus punisher yeah two heroes against each other yeah so. so it's interesting i really do hope we get some comments about that to see what everyone thinks about that and then just a couple of things that i saw pop up some TV shows that are starting. Uh, one of my favorite shows I've watched since the beginning was Supernatural. Mm-hmm. And the showrunner for that one was Eric Kripke. And he was there for the first five seasons. He did a great five-season arc. And he ended up leaving as the showrunner. I think he's still involved in it a little bit. But he is doing a new um, show called Time. And it's about time travel. And I think it'll be interesting to see his take on that. And then another one of my favorite shows, Fringe. If you have not seen Fringe, oh my gosh! Please stop what you're doing. I think it's five seasons. It's a it's a pretty short run. It is such a wonderful show, Joe. Walter. Just Walter. Walter. That's all I can say. Yeah, we, we we actually. My sister came into town last last summer, and I sat down with her and just showed her. The first episode of Fringe, and she was like, okay. And then by the second or third episode, she's like, all right, I'm hooked. She finished the entire series within like a month. Yeah. And she, that that's, I mean, that was a lot for her. I mean, she's, she's busy. She's got college and stuff, but she just loved it. And it's one of those short five seasons. It was a perfect length. Everyone was, you know, really sad. Uh, one of, one of the great Leonard Nimoy performances Yeah, and I feel like a lot of the people that have been on that show have gone on to other pretty good shows. So Joshua Jackson, you might remember him from The Mighty Ducks. Um, Dawson. And maybe Dawson's Creek, (laughs) but I remember him from The Mighty Ducks. Uh, He was in that. He's gone on to do some other shows. John Noble, he is in elementary right now. He was the voice of Scarecrow Mm -hmm. in The Last Batman Batman animated or a video game no it was uh arkham knight it was the last of the arkham series okay so, so he was in that great voice actor and now anna torv is going to be in a new netflix show called mind hunter oh it's netflix yeah i wow. believe it's netflix uh so it's gonna be mind hunter and awesome. she plays she's like a detective right is it i think she does the um criminal oh i know what you're saying she's a profiler profiler yeah, yeah so she plays a profiler in this show I enjoy just watching her act. She, if you go back and watch Friends, if you've seen Fringe, you know what we're saying about her. She can play so many different roles. Talk about strong female characters. Amazing strong female character. But she could reinvent herself every single episode and season. Yeah, and (laughs) and the different uh, storylines that she was in. So I'm I'm interested to see how this show does. If she is a profiler, I'm wondering if she'll take on a role similar to. 
that they did in Hannibal and the Hannibal mm. TV show where he kind of gets into the mind of um, the person that he is profiling or the killer he's trying to find. So I think she could do something really interesting with that. So, um, but I think that's all I have for the television. Yeah. Um, we can move on to the gaming pause point section that I want to go over. Uh, and, and just to, to clarify everyone that's listening, we, we realize we're, we're still kind of, uh, figuring out the the structure of the show, we know that you know we want to keep it within an hour, an hour and a half. We're gonna we're gonna get to the point where we probably will will start doing this every every other week, and 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 we appreciate you guys being patient and sticking with us. We hope you guys are enjoying it, but uh, we want it to be something you can enjoy, you know, on the way to or from work or something like that. So, um, but we're gonna we're gonna really quickly dive into the the gaming section. Something really big that's gonna be coming out, and it started to come out in the in the world of gaming right now it's kind of the next step in the industry is virtual reality uh, this was a really corny gimmicky thing back in the 80s and 90s that they tried to do i got to test out a virtual reality at disney world i was selected when i was a kid to try out aladdin's magic carpet was this the disney quest yeah it was later <laughs> at it was later at disney quest but it was the coolest thing in the world at the time well, yeah. because nobody had done virtual reality but it was neat i looked around and i could see my hands so I did get to test that a while ago. Hopefully it's better now. Well, oh yeah, apparently it's a lot better. The technology's finally caught up with developers and, and, and they're saying that it's going to revolutionize the gaming industry. So I, I, I have not tried this. I have not been able to go to a convention where they're, they're, you know, they're playtesting this. I'm very interested in how they're going to market this because you can't really market a game that's a virtual reality. It's very hard to do. And I, I'm wondering how this is going to happen. But... Uh, another problem with virtual reality is that they're very expensive, but PlayStation is putting out their own virtual reality. It seems to have the upper hand on on the the industry in general as far as virtual reality goes. But they released some information this week that was kind of interesting. PlayStation virtual reality is not going to be intended for use uh, as far as children goes for anyone under the age of 12, which kind of seems like it, it, it cuts out a huge market. I don't know. What do you what do you think about that? As far as do you think that's going to have any impact on top of it being hard to market already? I don't know. I think that we have 4K TVs, 3D TVs. Uh, everybody has their iPhones and iPads. I I think everybody's like, what's next? What's yeah. going to be next? And that might be an interesting place to go. And I think this is it. You're going to be able to do more on it than just play games. I mean, you'll be able to watch movies and stuff like that. There'll be immersive experiences along with that. The big thing with PlayStation is I think they're going to come in at a lower price point than some of these HTC Vives and the Samsung one. It's, it's I mean, that and Oculus are coming up into the $600 and $800 range, and that's not even including the computer you have to have to run them. This automatically works with PlayStation 4s, which have a huge install base right now, and I think they're going to come in. They're saying they're pricing it like consoles, and consoles have technically been around the three dollars $400 range. Mm -hmm. So if they can come in with that that type of price point and it, and it already works with the system that's honestly leading the industry right now, I think they're going to take over the market. But, but the... the that, that little piece of news, they have a history of releasing bad news close to the release date, and they did it with the Vita, but I think I think that'll, that's the first piece of negative news to come out about it. So mm -hmm. hopefully we'll hear more at Game Developers Conference. GDC is a huge gaming convention that's going to happen next week. So I might even be doing some uh, daily updates as far as GDC goes. We're going we're gonna to wait and see how that works out for those of you who are interested in that. So I think it lasts about three days, but... 
Um, something else is that that's something you might be very interested in is there's a new Ratchet and Clank game coming out that is sort of like a reboot, recreation of the first game. I think they're trying to tie it into the film that's coming out. Mm-hmm. It's about the closest thing to playing a Pixar movie that that you could probably have. Yeah, so. I love all of the Ratchet and Clank games. I still can't get past these time t- puzzles. They're taking me forever because I went to Platinum, the Kraken Time game. Um, but <laughs> taking forever. I've been playing that for like five years, I think. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm down for any of the Ratchet and Clank games. I think they're just so pretty. Like you said, they are like playing a Pixar movie. You can walk around in this world, bright colors, really cool characters, Ratchet's one of my favorite characters, video game or not. I think he's just a really cool guy. Yeah, no, he's great. I'm, I'm interested to see what they do because this is this is kind of like a recreation of the first game, which you're very familiar with. Yes. Um, you beat that game. That into was the my very first video game. Now, Chad, you haven't played a lot of video games, right? We've. we've I think that's a that. safe assumption. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, I hadn't played a lot of video games when this came out, and. It kind of just changed my whole view on what video games were. Uh, and it was an old PlayStation 2, two game. Mm-hmm. And then when the new one came out with the visuals and just the gameplay was so so much improved, it was it was awesome. So I'm excited for a reboot of Ratchet and Clank. I'm excited to see the new movie as well. Are you when going it to comes play out. it, though? I'll probably play it. Really? Yeah. Okay. I don't have a lot of video games to play. I play the Lego games, Ratchet and Clank. That's about it. Yeah, that's true. I'm just asking because you still haven't finished the one that came out like eight years ago. So, But I enjoy playing it. <laughs> I just went to Platinum it and it's taking me forever. Forever. Uh, one other thing that I wanted to go over here, and this is this is kind of two pieces of news that are in the same realm here, but... Mass Effect, which we were talking about earlier, is coming out with a fourth installment in the series called Mass Effect Andromeda. This has had a lot of problems, and, and people are getting concerned. It's It's been delayed severely now. The game director, I believe, has left the project. So this is just... I don't, I don't have a lot to say about that. That's a little piece of news. I'm not as invested in Mass Effect as, as some of the other game series. Not yet, at least. Obviously, I said I'm playing through the second one, but... This is this is kind of becoming a, a thing recently where, where games will be announced. They have a release date announced, like a movie will, but then it will get either pushed a month and then a month again or get pushed drastically. And when you have a game that's huge like this that is pushed and then the director leaves, that's that's usually indicative of, of some kind of problem. I mean, obviously, you never know. Some of this stuff is normal, but... With any with any business, but it just raises some red flags, and I know some people that are interested in that that game are, are somewhat concerned. But that actually ties me into my next game I want to talk about, which which you know, Chad, believe it or not, I actually want your take and and Faith's take on this in general. Uncharted Four is a game that you actually know, Chad, because I showed you that game a few weeks ago, um, the Uncharted Did series. Uh, uh, refresh my memory. It's the one with the plane in the desert. Oh, that one, yeah. yeah. Very very pulp action, Indiana Jones-esque style game. Extremely popular. One of PlayStation's probably number one franchises from their number one game studio. Uh, a game that's known for making very dramatic games that, that are, are held at the industry's highest standard. The, the, it started out with, with Uncharted 4 being the last in the series. They mentioned that. And then the director who had been the director on the first three games, left the studio, and she actually went on to Electronic Arts to make 
a uncharted like it's rumored uncharted like star wars game which i'm extremely excited about we haven't heard anything about though and that was like two or three years ago uh, but that was the first piece of bad news the last of us directors actually took over uncharted 4 and then went forward with that production and then a few people i think left here and there and it was set to come out earlier this, around this time, I think, this year. And then it got delayed to April 26. Marketing even started to come out for April 26 release date. And now it got delayed again at the last minute. But this time is very strange because it only got delayed a couple of weeks. But the reason they gave was really kind of dumb. They said it was delayed because of manufacturing issues. And they needed more time to process the discs. Which... I don't know. That that just seems to me like, in my my opinion, they could have come up with a better reason, but that just seems like a clear excuse for needing more time to finish Maybe it. Maybe they dumped him in a desert <laughs> desert in New Mexico. <laughs> Maybe, possibly, <laughs> possibly. But I don't know. I mean, it, th- these kind of things are becoming more and more popular, unfortunately, where they they stretch these things out and they stretch them out again. And, you know, mighty number nine is another huge game where they've, so do you think they're doing this on purpose? I don't think they're doing it on purpose. I just don't understand why. And I think it's pressure from stockholders and gaming companies in the, in the industry get pressure from stockholders and stuff. There's a lot of money in games, almost more so than movies because you got to think and, and Chad, I don't know if you've even thought of this, but a game comes out, it costs about 60 bucks. If that game sells, a million copies or five million over its lifespan. It's right up there with most blockbuster movies. And, and some of these games that come out that are super popular, like like sports franchises or Call of Duty, they make way over what any movie or TV or anything makes in, in the entertainment industry in general in the span of a year. Uh, Call of Duty blows it out of the water every single year. They're the biggest entertainment release of that year usually. So these these are these are huge money making things, and I think a lot of times release dates are pushed out there to kind of appease the stockholders and stuff like that. But they they continually end up getting pushed further down the road, and then when they come out, they they need a patch day one to fix all the things that are still wrong with it after it's released. Yeah, so. poor Joe. I feel like every time your birthday comes around, yeah. you're really excited for a video game to come out. And then three months later, you finally get your birthday present. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. And, you know, it is what it is. I say if it's going to be a great game and you're going to be able to make it better by by pushing it out a month or two, by all means, do it. I'd rather get a finished product that is awesome and completely done and a great experience all around. Bioshock Infinite did this twice, too. I think they had a, mm-hmm. a delay or two. But it's becoming more and more popular. This one is particularly strange, though, because of the reason they gave. Because I think everyone right now is saying... Well, if it's done and you really just need time to manufacture the discs, why don't you give everyone their digital copy earlier and just have them downloaded off the internet? And clearly they're not making that happen. They're not doing that. So I think everyone clearly just thinks they just needed a few more weeks to wrap it up, which which really, I mean, you know, that's kind of cutting it close. That's down to the wire as it is. So I don't understand why they would feel the need to push it out to appease the stockholders and how how would that appease stockholders because everything works just like any other business it's a quarterly thing so they're trying to make you know quarterly budgets and 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 quarterly you know things that they want to report so my my theory of course i'm not you know a businessman like a big businessman at sony executive but 
I, with anything in the industry, I think I think gamers would probably agree. You probably want to, you know, when you when you look at things in general, you you kind of want to under promise and over deliver rather than over promise and under deliver. And it seems to be a trend that the gaming industry is doing the latter, and it's starting to frustrate a lot of people. But this is one of the biggest gaming companies at PlayStation. They're kind of their golden child, and. This is the first time they've shown any any wavering of this kind. So, rightfully so, I think it, it makes people concerned, especially since this is the last Uncharted in the series. Yeah, I mean, video games have a lot more moving parts than a movie, but movies pretty much meet their deadline. You don't see a lot of push dates. You might see people change dates because of other things coming out. Um, very rarely do you see a, a really big change in that date. And then TV shows, you know, they have a deadline. They pretty much hit those um, maybe there's just a behind the scenes thing that we don't know about with the, maybe the compatibility with the system. Maybe they need to push out a patch for the PlayStation four for some reason yeah. before this game can actually go live. Maybe there's an issue. I think, I think people are just hoping it's not poor management. It's not indicative of the creative process. So hopefully, you know, this studio haven't, hasn't really released a bad game and gosh, 10 plus years. I mean, more so probably than that. So I don't think they'll start now, but but everything looks really good. It's just it's kind of raising a few red flags. But that's that's really it for me as far as the gaming uh, pause point goes. All right, so. Chad, do you have some trivia for us, like you did last time? Okay, uh, you know, a lot of times I go back to Oscar trivia with things, so I had that. Um, I don't. I may have already asked you this one before. I'm I'm not quite sure. Can you name for me the Academy Award winning best song with the longest title? My my go to is supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, but I think we did talk about this, but that didn't win the Oscar. No, and no, no, it I, didn't actually win. Yeah, it was. Was it nominated? It was another song from Mary Poppins. Oh, um, oh, Chim Chimney. Yeah, yes. Chim Chim Jerry is what won that year. I can't remember the title. I know you told me before, and it's a long name, but I can't recall. Yeah, so it's actually. On the Atchison, Topeka, and the Santa Fe from the 1945 movie The Harvey Girls, starring Judy Garland. Oh, yeah, that old chestnut. <laughs> yes, yes. It's a wonderful song. So if you haven't, if you, if you have never heard that, I recommend go on YouTube. You can find the scene where it's from in the movie. Uh, you'll also see a, a little appearance by Marjorie Maine, who ended up being known, I think, most famously as uh, Ma Kettle in the Ma and Paul Kettle series of movies. And it's a, just a nice little number, but I believe that one holds the record for the longest title. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you were on that railroad? Yeah, yeah. When I went uh, out to Los Angeles in October to visit my friend Tim, took the train from Chicago to Los Angeles. So I was on, for most of that route, it was the old Atchison, Topeka, and Santa Fe Railway uh, route that I was on, which ended up you know, getting merged into a couple of other things that you know, that railroad ended up merging with the Burlington Northern Railroad and I believe the Great Northern Railroad to form yeah. Burlington Northern Santa Fe now. Uh, so you'll see a lot of BNSF stuff if you're ever out in the West. The, the two major ones out there now are Union Pacific and BNSF. But I was really excited to be able to travel the old portion of the railway with that. And it made me think of the song several times. And I also sang it a couple of times in my room on the train car, oh, which gosh, I'm sure, sure everyone loves annoyed everyone else. Did you sing it to else. anyone on the train? 
Yes, I, I'm quite certain that it annoyed many people, and that was just a heck of a lot of fun for me. <laughs> That's awesome. Do we have any movies we want to encourage people to watch this week? Maybe some throwback movies that have something to do with what we talked about? I would recommend Oscar. It's a fun movie. Yeah. I, I don't have a throwback. I would say go see 10 Cloverfield Lane. It's it, Right now, it's the little the little movie that could. I'm very I'm very happy. I'm very excited for this director and, and for this movie franchise in general. It had a $5 million budget, and its first weekend, it, it crossed the $25 million mark, so it's already made back five times its money. Yeah. Uh, it kind of has the paranormal activity effect going on right now, so go see it. Totally worth it. Just try to go see the first Cloverfield first if you haven't. Okay. So. Chad? I'm I'm not going to give out any recommendations this time because you guys have given some good ones, which I like. But be prepared. In the next few weeks, I'm working on a list of ones. Since we're coming out of Oscar season now, we've got kind of a lull for a while with no big blockbusters or anything coming out. Um, so I'm trying to come up with a list of some classic films that I love that I'd like to recommend for people, especially ones that would be available for free on Netflix. Um, and good I've call. got a couple couple in the queue that I'm I'm working up that I'm going to be recommending in the next few weeks that I think people would like. I don't know what you're talking about. No big blockbusters. Aren't you excited about Civil War and Batman versus Superman? I have to keep reminding you about this, Chad, but we want to get your take on these movies. Yeah, like I said, there's no real important ones coming out, you know. In, in, <laughs> I mean, as you'll recall, it was only two weeks ago that I learned that Civil War was a comic book movie. <laughs> And not some movie the Russo brothers made about the American Civil War. Exactly. Yeah, so be prepared. I'll, I'll have some classic film recommendations in the next couple of weeks. Sounds good. All right. I think that's all we have for this week. So thank you so much for tuning in again. And uh, if you like what you're hearing, please rate us on iTunes. Subscribe. Uh, you can check us out on Twitter. Or we're at pause underscore points we're on facebook if you have questions email us at questions at pausepointspodcast.com and we'll catch you on the flip side (laughs) (laughs) all right thanks for listening guys happy pie day happy pie day happy pie day it's a magic number (laughs) 